Move, counter move, detect, prevent, and defense. Being a CISO is like waging a never-ending chess game against players you don't know, can't see, and attack without warning. On this podcast, cybersecurity experts from Zscaler's Office of the CISO have a pragmatic dialogue on cyber risks, current attacks, and security trends. Welcome to the CISO's Gambit. Hello, listener, and welcome to another edition of the CISO's Gambit. And let's see who we have with us today. Mark Lewick. Good afternoon. Nikola Casimir. Hello. Danny Connolly. Good morning. And Brad Moldenhauer here to round out the squad. And so today we are going to be taking a look at something that has come up uh, in, I think, all of the um, advisory activities that we've uh, been engaged with, uh, you know, with customers, not just recently, but, you know, for a while now. So with the drastic rise uh, of remote work and cloud adoption over the past year due to the global pandemic, you know, security uh, threats have increased as well. No surprise. You know, these transitions have shifted businesses to treat the internet as their new corporate network. And businesses are directing their corporate resources from on-premises to cloud services. And that, of course, has been accelerated because of, you know, faster internet to support it due to the availability of fiber and 5G networks. And now there are more endpoints to secure inside any organization and its various cloud environments. So this has created a complex challenge for CISOs and CIOs who suddenly have less visibility across a greater number of assets, right? And so as we shift from the era of traditional perimeter security solutions, such as firewalls and VPNs, it's time to think about the future, especially for those who haven't given this any thought. (laughs) So while organizations uh, store their data assets in the cloud, it only makes sense to start securing those resources from the cloud edge, which will help to transition from a site-centric to a user-centric approach. Now, this idea that I'm talking about is a key tenant of Secure Access Service Edge, or SASE, alongside other unified security ideas, which will help organizations account for their authorized endpoints. So, I think we all understand that when SASE was coined by Gartner, everyone emphasized the different use cases it offers. But people often forget about the one major thing it doesn't, endpoint security, right? So as businesses continue with their digital and application transformation journey post-pandemic, the effectiveness of appliance-based security in corporate networks minimized with SASE, Zero Trust, and other security transformation initiatives, the notion that the endpoint has become the ideal place to centralize the modern security stack has been proposed by security professionals as a viable cybersecurity strategy. And you know, I'm starting to see more claims that security should be moved you know, to either the edge cloud or the endpoints itself. So with that said, you know, Danny, I, I think I'd like to start with your perspective because you kind of, like myself, you know, were, you know, in a, a CISO operational role at the CDC during the pandemic. What are your thoughts on that? Thanks, Brad. Uh, endpoint security capabilities are certainly important, uh, but so too are, uh, you know, 
capabilities at all layers, email threat prevention, uh, network layer defenses, defenses like you mentioned, um, like our SASE solution, right? Outbound web gateway, inbound protections. Um, so how to, from my perspective, have complete visibility across all those capabilities with a limited set of staff to manage boxes on-prem, you know, really drives home the point of moving to the cloud and leveraging cloud-based security technologies like CrowdStrike, like FireEtp Cloud, like Akamai. You know, those things really offload um, uh, the lift from the frontline folks who are managing tools, but also investigating incidents. Now, shifting over to the endpoint side, there are so many individual controls and capabilities that have to be implemented on an endpoint and doing so with multiple solutions means that you're going to have agent bloat or agent overload, which impacts user experience, which is another thing to update and maintain. Um, so uh, using a consolidated EDR type solution at the endpoint is uh, what I've seen as successful and a cloud-based solution on the endpoint has been successful. Uh, being able to track assets or get visibility onto what's going on in the endpoint, uh, regardless where that asset is connected to around the world, was critical in my opinion, especially when COVID hit. Mark, you wanna weigh in with uh, what's on your mind on this? Well, I think, I think that was a fantastic introduction, Brad, um, but I do think you danced around the point a little bit. The thrust that I'm seeing out there is that we have been engendering this, um, this message that says that the network is no longer where you do your security. Um, the network is no longer, you know, I, the, my message has been, hey, the network's just plumbing. Why are we trusting it, right? If you proceed down that path, at some point you, you start to think, well, the only thing that's important in this whole uh, communications world is one, the source, and the other is the destination. So all of your energy for protection should be spent on that endpoint, whether it's on your server or on your client, or whether you even distinguish between those terms is immaterial. And, and I think that that really misses the point. Zero trust isn't about not looking at your network. It's about not trusting it. And, and those organizations which are saying, hey, you know what? I've got a, this fantastic endpoint uh, soft software. I'll, you know, CrowdStrike is a great example. It does pretty much everything I'd ever want it to do. And that's the future direction. And that's the, the motion of travel, as it were, for security. And I'm going to de-emphasize and actually de-prioritize de and, and defund any control that's in the middle. That, for me, is the mistake. Uh, and 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 I know I could very easily say it's putting all of your eggs in one basket, but I think there's a, there's a, a lot more tangible and concrete examples why that's not necessarily an appropriate strategy going forward. And Nicola, I think that the security is made of uh, a, a sum of layers, and I'm still a big believer of those uh, within those uh, traditional architecture that is summing different kind of layer, different kind of control. And when whenever one is failing, you have another one uh, that is uh, backing back your strategy. And, and, and so uh, only counting on one layer, the endpoint security for me is a risk. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a certainly a shortcut. Uh, there, there is a, 
a whole long list of analogy regarding security, like for instance, uh, you know, fire systems and so on. And so whenever you are comparing security to fire systems, you, you don't want to only having only one way to stop a fire. You, you always want to have several ways to detect and to, to stop and so on. So this is, this is, yeah, I think the point that I may make there is the fact that, yeah, endpoint security is part of your layered approach, but this is the last line of defense. And uh, as any layer, as a, any line of defense, it's susceptible, susceptible to failure. So lying on only on one layer and the endpoint security for me is a mistake. You know, and I think I want to support Nicholas in this. We often, it naturally feels right that a layer defense makes sense. But math says the exact same thing. If you have uh, two controls, which are both 95%, and I know that's a little bit low, but 95% effective, the two of them together, probability suggests that you're looking at now 0.9975% chance. So math itself lends weight to the layered defense. And because unless you're willing to say my control is 100% effective, in other words, it will stop every single attack, future, forward, backwards, every attack, then it's going to let something through. Yeah. And if it lets something through, another control will reduce the likelihood of that succeeding. Well, I, Mark, I, I think, how would they say it over there in the United Kingdom? You can't outrun maths. So Danny, what do, what do you, uh, what do you think about that? You know, not all controls are created equal, right? And, and the implementation of, of those technologies to, to meet the intent of that control, right? So while I, I really think endpoint controls, um, are really critical. I mean, take USB port blocking, for instance, uh, you know, how, how is a web proxy or a network layer security control going to be equivalent to uh, media protection on the endpoint? Like, you know, obviously users are plugging in uh, various devices on their, on their system and they don't always know the policy or follow the policy of what's a, an approved device to plug in or, or not. So if you don't have a capability or, or USB port blocking capability on that endpoint, um, you're going to get infected. Mm -hmm. uh, so how does, you know, the, the network side is just different, right? It, that mm -hmm. control doesn't, doesn't help at all with, yeah. with that. Yes, but, but then, but then I think that we shouldn't be comparing the two technologies or the two way of stopping malware. They are, each, each one of them are required and, and, to your example regarding the USB port and so on, you, you're right. EDR can stop those attacks, but in the same time, whenever you have a, an endpoint that is compromised, that the, the attacker will probably try to stop uh, uh, any kind of EDR, any kind of antivirus, and then do whatever they want. And and so having only those single protection would would not would not be uh, uh, efficient toward those kind of risk. And, and there you see in, in those two examples that you probably need both of them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this just brilliant perspective all the way around. Um, and so let me throw a little wrench into this discussion because it seems like that we're, you know, kind of tackling that notion of sassy vis-a-vis -vis endpoint. But based upon what all of you are seeing today with, um, you know, organizational transformation efforts. What gaps do you see 
if an organization focused their security strategy exclusively around endpoints and zero trust, let's take SASE out of the equation for a moment. Who's got a thought on that? I, I have a quick thought on that, and that is that endpoint security forgets the fact that you know you you have a trusted body on the other end of it, and that says it suggests that everything that person does is trustable. So therefore, it misses insider threat entirely, and it is other controls which are are, are going to be far better at uh, at spotting malicious behavior from a trusted individual. The second thing it misses is the ability to detect when other controls fail. For example, spotting C2 traffic, con command and control traffic, or otherwise, uh, you know, behaviors which are unacceptable um, or, or are evidence of, of malicious activity. If you missed it the first time, you missed it forever if you're focusing only on your endpoint. But, but to me, user behavior analytics for detecting an insider threat is critical, right? You, having some capability that streams all activity, not just web traffic or endpoint traffic, but again, going back to CrowdStrike, the, the telemetry data that is collected there and streamed in real time to the SaaS portal is eye-opening. Anything and everything that comes in and out of that box is, is streamed and, and accessible. So, you know, how doing it just purely on a legacy network-centric security architecture where you have taps and monitoring equipment and things, that doesn't work. That, I think we could all agree that that approach, it's, it gets too big, too complicated, too much infrastructure to maintain. So endpoint is where it's at when it comes to, you know, again, maybe my perspective is really about certain capabilities, that forensic capability, the hunt capability, the, you know, user, what actually users are doing, what PowerShell scripts do they run and what does that PowerShell look like? You know, you can't get that at the network layer uh, easily. Monsieur Casimir? Yes, I, I, I think that uh, you, you both made the point and, and, and that some of the attack that we are seeing uh, here, like um, DNS tunnel, uh, XSS, crypto mining, and so on, some of them w will be good at detecting those attempts within uh, inline proxy protection. And and we'll certainly will be missing some more so, some threat that is more related to systems and and so on, and and so for for those attacks that is more related to the the operating system and so on, uh, the EDR points going to be the EDR controls going to be better. Mm -hmm. So again, yeah. we we are, we are circling with that idea that uh, the two solution is dealing with two different kind of threats, uh, and. And also, I think it is you, Mark, that made the point that whenever there is a malware that uh, were um, successful at evade, evading a control uh, with a central solution that is, you know, uh, able to apply different kind of uh, protection, like uh, Yava, uh, Yara rules, uh, antivirus, mm -hmm. IPS, um, real proxy uh, inspection. Uh, SSL decryption and so mm -hmm. you see that if right. any one of of those um, uh, control is failing on an attempt, probably the next one uh, is going to be successful and will will be able to stop and to disrupt the kill chain. Yeah. You know, Nikolai, you just said something uh, there that's pretty interesting that I think all of us just assumed. You mentioned EDR. 
Okay. That uh, for uh, the listener out there that's uninformed, that's endpoint detection and response. But I think all of us just assume when we use the term endpoint, we're talking endpoint detection and response, or we're talking endpoint protection platforms, or maybe we're talking unified endpoint management. What about this, <laughs> you know, new classification of technologies, XDR? the extended detection and response, which supposedly is a cross-layered detection and response capability that subsumes, you know, your SecOps, your endpoint protection, you know, your cloud instantiations. Uh, you know, that's going to be an interesting market to follow because what I'm seeing is the players that seem to be rising in that space are not your traditional EDR players, right? Some of them are, but I, that might just be more FUD than it is capability. So, you know, and I'm, that's going to be an interesting one to follow. And I only thought of that when you mentioned EDR, because I think we all just made that assumption. So, you know, let's go ahead and, and have one more, uh, you know, idea that we can all kind of weigh on it, weigh in on here, because we've all provided some pretty good perspective. So let me ask you this. What is the ideal reference security architecture for the future, given with what we've seen with companies' digital transformation programs? Mark, you look like you have an answer immediately. Well, I, I have two answers. <clears throat> and I think that the first answer, which is specifically to your, to your uh, question, is this. Control the traffic and you have a massive head start in security understand and be able to inspect traffic wherever that is from and where, wherever it is to, and you have a, a great grasp. So that, is, that automatically describes a bit of, a, a bit of a, an architecture, doesn't it? <clears throat> because it's, it's flipping on its head the age-old model of find the traffic and put a control in it. Instead, you're saying deliver the traffic to the controls. Uh, and that, that, that uh, really suggests what it needs to suggest. But the other thing I, I wanted to call out is that is that I, I feel like, you know, because you were talking about the, the migration of EDR to XDR. And yesterday we had a little conversation about the migration from endpoint security or antivirus in the EDR. And there's never been a, a line between these things. But what I do feel is that the endpoint um, uh, evolution feels a lot like the firewall evolution that I watched in the 90s and 2000s, whereby we, it was just an arms race. And an arms race is always doomed to be all, being lost all the time. You're, you're always in a state of loss. Whereas by changing architectures, you can get ahead of the game and change the game. So I, I feel like endpoint, yes, it's important and it must, be ha it must be maintained to some extent. But by simply getting better and better at all you're doing is getting good enough. And, and, and just adding in there, you know, I, I talk, talk a lot about endpoint is where it's at and, and you know, really those capabilities are so critically important, but there are gaps there as well. Traditional endpoint security solutions, um, you know, can't be installed on, on everything, right? I mean, network infrastructure, security appliances, IOT, <laughs> OT devices, you know, you, you can't, you know, most organizations don't even do vulnerability scans on those kind of devices because they're afraid it might take them down. So, you know, there's no, agent that can be installed there how do you get visibility into that how do you secure that traffic when they're going out to the net or to the uh internet you know they all need to be updated they all need to have some sort of layer of support and that requires a a, a connection from likely the outside 
So how, how do you protect against that with an endpoint solution? Oh, you can't. Yeah, the, the other thing is with endpoint, I mean, so a lot of organizations make the assumption that they have really good logical or physical segmentation of guest Wi-Fi and guest networks that are, you, you know, uh, an external interface off their, you know, edge firewall. I, I, have they tested those recently? Well, you have no endpoint protection there. You're just assuming, hey, I don't really care about this because this is untrusted network. That's right. You don't care until you get a copyright infringement uh, letter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When an ISP wants to shut down your circuit because somebody's downloading a bit torrented copy of Game of Thrones, yeah, too bad your endpoint and your endpoint protection didn't catch that. This is many years back. Uh, we we deployed an application whitelisting solution where we were testing it, and a friend of mine was able to to inject running his Trojan the running process into the application whitelisting solution. So basically negating the benefit of application whitelisting. So what if that endpoint capability, you know, there is a way to bypass um, that prevention or detection solution. Uh, you know, th that's always in the back of my mind is, you know, yes, these are all great things to, to stop the noise, stop the commodity malware, stop the traditional stuff. But if you have an advanced attacker that has the means or uh, dedicated persistence to get to the data that they're after, they're gonna find ways around that endpoint capability. So how do you, I don't like this word, <laughs> but but it, you know, it's what Nikolai said earlier about defense in depth. Uh, now it just makes a lot of sense. You have to have that endpoint capability, but you also have to have things like Zscaler where you know, that C2 traffic, you know, stands out. Danny, how do you make a computer laugh? I don't know, Mark. You tickle its API. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was good. That was, that was, that was, good. That was good. I mean, that's a dad joke, but that's good. That's good. <laughs> and Nicola, do you have uh, some final thoughts on, yeah. on that? Yeah, question? I think, and, and um, probably it might sound a bit odd uh, from someone that is working uh, within a security solution provider. But I think that organization is sometimes also uh, relying too much on technology. And, and so we were discussing, you know, the architecture in depth and, and so on, and security in depth and so on. But, but what strikes me during all of those years is that um, it's not a problem of technology. Uh, most of the, of the time, when we are seeing major breach, uh, but the problem is more coming from an absence, a lack of a process, a lack of personnel, and sometimes even a lack of skills. And and and, and you know there is no silver bullet in uh, in, in the security fields, and and and, and there, there is not a single technology that's going to be um, ready to solve all the problem. Uh, uh, at all and so on and and uh, all of those needs understanding needs training needs awareness and so and so on so uh, i just wanted to uh, um, underline the fact that it needs process and and people to 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 be to, to be effective yeah you mentioned this the other day brad better together so you know i i was just going to say this has been brilliant perspective and I think, you know, my final thoughts on this and, you know, just based upon, you know, all the interactions that I have and the collaboration that we share together is that I think I'm hearing 
the, that notion of better together. And what I mean by that is in something I experienced was when you start having cloud delivered security services in the terms of, you know, some of the functionality of SASE, endpoint protection, and even zero trust, you know, you, you can really start inoculating your entire business environment from your endpoints to your applications, to your users with that shared telemetry and IOC. So again, better together by unifying features that include endpoint security, SASE solutions that enable a user-centric approach for organizations. You know, I think that if our business environments are to be fully secure, it's important to consider which devices users prefer, what operating systems they use, and from which networks they're connecting. A unified secure edge network and endpoint security will learn from each other and will provide better security posture for organizations. And that is where we will wrap up this edition of the CISO's Gambit. Until next time, listener. Thanks for listening to the CISO's Gambit with Zscaler's Office of the CISO. Check back with your podcast provider regularly for more episodes. Brad, Nicola, Mark, and Danny are CISOs for the Americas and European regions at Zscaler. You can find their profiles on LinkedIn or reach out to them and other CXO transformation leaders in the Zscaler CXO community LinkedIn group. Zscaler is a zero trust exchange inline cloud security provider for some of the largest companies on the Forbes Global 2000. Find out more about Zscaler at zscaler.com. Copyright 2021.